Welcome to the Powercast with Charlie Johnson. I'm one of the world's leading fitness and transformation coaches. I'm going to be providing you with the tools to build your ultimate body and mind. All right, it's an absolute pleasure today to have uh, Wesley Vissers, IFBB Classic uh, Pro on the podcast today. Uh, Mr. Vintage Genetics, also known as. Guy's got an absolutely phenomenal physique. Uh, very Arnold-esque, as I'm sure you get told all the time, which probably is a bit irritating. But um, <laughs> how are you doing? I'm very good. Thank you for that kind introduction. And uh, <laughs> thanks for uh, having me join this podcast. No, it's absolutely a pleasure. So um, just a little bit about yourself, Wesley. Whereabouts are you from? I am from the Netherlands, from the southern part of the Netherlands, actually. I've been there all my life now, I'm 26, um, and it's actually been only one year since I've been outside of Europe to do American contests, but the Netherlands has always been my home. Well, where was your first uh, overseas show? And my first overseas show was actually in, uh, there was a Chicago Pro last year. Was that, was that a very different traveling to the US? Yeah, it was. Um, I did travel uh, like a month or two before that overseas to Bonaire, uh, one of the Dutch Antilles. So I already knew how, how a long flight was like because I never flew for that long either. So, uh, But traveling that far while being deep into your contest diet is definitely something different from what I was used to because the furthest flight I had uh, up till then was like two hours to London. So that's a big difference for sure. Now, um, to give a bit of background about yourself, obviously, do you you own your own gym now as well? Yeah, actually, uh, I met my girlfriend at the gym that I uh, work out at right now, and she is the official owner, but basically, we we both invest in the gym, and it's basically our gym now. It's 100% Fit Gym is the name, and, uh, you know, before I joined, there wasn't really any bodybuilding machines, but since I've been there... Half of the gym is pretty much filled up with only bodybuilding tools and machines, so I can actually do all the workouts and exercises that I want to do. So it's got everything you need to build a world-class physique there, then? Yeah, that's true. And especially at the beginning, it was like getting used to because there were only barbells and dumbbells, but I was like, hey, this is how Arnold used to train, so why not give it a shot for a few months just with only free weights? And I actually did that. But uh, up until a point where in a contest prep, you kind of want to just stack the weights instead of just always having to uh, use those plates because everything gets really tiring. So that's when I started to purchase more machines so you can actually uh, do a more varied workout. No, no, sounds like good. Sounds like good, good, good plan. Whereabouts in Holland is that based? Uh, it's in Best, close to Eindhoven. Okay, okay. It's not only, only a short plane journey from the UK. So it's not far. So I know where you guys are. So okay. I have to say Holland um, and the Dutch are some of the nicest, the most well-educated people I've ever met. So oh, thank you. Appreciate that. They're very nice. So uh, in regards to yourself, how did you first get into competing, bodybuilding? Where did the journey begin? Well, the journey actually really began when I was 14, when I actually started bodybuilding myself. And the reasoning why I even started, because my dad was always my, uh, you know, my role model really for being a bodybuilder because he was a big guy himself. And me as a young kid who was really skinny, I was tall, but really skinny. I, w- I looked up to him to become like him. So he trained me from the beginning. So the first few years, he taught me everything, how to do uh, the machines and stuff. But after a few years, I started to notice that I was growing quite quickly, even though I didn't do anything in terms of nutrition, which was a big mistake and which I would you know, actually recommend others not to make. 
But after seven years of pure bodybuilding, pure lifting with the weights, I never even considered doing contests because I saw Mr. Olympia. I like to watch that. And I saw Ronnie Coleman and Jay Cutler. And I was like, it's going to take some time before I even reach that <laughs> level. So I wasn't even thinking about doing a contest until uh, a veteran bodybuilder in the gym told me, why aren't you competing? If you're going to compete this December, and he said, told me that in October, so only at two months, he said, I would, I'm going to be your coach for it. I'm going to train you for free, coach you for free, make your nutrition plan. And I was like, uh, I asked my parents what they, uh, what they thought of it. And they were like, why not? Why not give it a try? Because I never viewed myself as someone who looked better than someone else. But that guy, a veteran bodybuilder, told me that I had a really good shot at winning. So then I found out that there were amateur uh, competitions in the Netherlands. And that was called the Flex Cup in 2013. I was 20 years old at the time. And um, he told me, and I actually watched the poster of that contest, which uh, was put up in the gym. And I saw the competitors of last year and I was like, oh, so those guys also compete. So then I uh, you know, went and joined that competition. And the first competition, I won it as a junior. So that immediately told me like, oh, maybe I do have some talent for this. And that motivated me to keep doing those contests. Perfect, perfect. Was there um, a pivotal moment to you which really helped in terms of gaining the sheer mass to start competing? Did it just, do you, do you think you responded quite quickly in terms of maybe just genetically or? Yeah. Yeah. That's partly why, uh, I'm also being called vintage genetics. That's why I even (laughs) have that name because I blame my father a lot, not only for training me, but also giving the genetics to me for even being able to put on this muscle. Because the first few years, as I mentioned, my nutrition was really poor. I only managed to get like, you know, after five years, I started taking a supplement for the first time, thinking that was the miracle to grow. But nothing really changed. But the protein amount was never high enough for me to grow to the max. But still, I had a quite a lot of muscle mass for my age. And uh, I grew quite fast. So a lot of genetics had to do with it. But also the training, which was pretty much perfect from day one, full range of motion, the classic exercises, not too much training, just uh, focusing on strength and not too much volume as a beginner, which is a mistake a lot of people make as well. Just really focusing and enjoying the workouts, which is still my passion to do. Just working out is a lot of fun for me. And that just was so much fun and so stress relieving that that made me grow on its own. And uh, then when nutrition um, was a part of the diet, then everything blew up even more. So nutrition is very important for me. So obviously we'll touch on to sort of nutrition. Something that's fascinated me with yourself is that you're pescatarian. So you only really eat fish. Don't that's eat true. Yeah. Yeah. So I've only been, how long has that been, been the case? Um, well, ever since 2014, uh, actually that's my mom was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and that is like a, a chronic, um, you know, chronic um, inflammation of the uh, the brain of the um, the nerves, actually the nervous system. And when that happens, that means that you all your body is basically inflamed. And I found out that animal products, of, of course, bodybuilders sometimes want that. They want to cause inflammation in their body to grow. But a lot of animal products cause inflammation in the body. And they cause overall inflammation. So my mom and me both 
also at the same time just wanted to try out the plant-based diet because we didn't really feel it was fair for the animals as well. So that played a part as well. So we just, both of us started to do a vegan diet actually for six months to see what changes could be made to our health. And after six months, months the, the multiple sclerosis, which is actually a progressive disease, didn't progress, which is very rare. So when she went back to the hospital to take pictures of her brain, usually the spots on the brain tell you how much the disease has progressed, but they actually lessened over time without medication, purely because of nutrition. And that really motivated me and told me, okay, you don't have to rely solely on animal foods to you know, to build muscle, to be healthy. Because I do believe that if you want to build muscle uh, as much as possible, health plays a big role as well. And uh, so once I started to do a contest again, so this was an off-season, just a test if I could still build muscle uh, being plant-based. But when I was going to do a contest, you have to lose some fat. And it's very difficult to lose fat using the proteins from a plant-based diet because you can't really eat proteins without awesome. added fat or or carbohydrates added to them. Oh, that's like, the difficulty, isn't it? You can't yeah, have a protein, protein only meal doesn't really exist. Yeah, that, that doesn't exist. So I had to take, use something again. And I thought, well, fish digests easily. White fish, I always loved the taste of it, especially salmon and stuff and tuna as well. So I just started to implement that into my diet. And ever since then, I never missed any other animal product. Like I never missed the taste of meat anymore. Or, you know, the fish is really the only thing that really needed for me to make my diet work for the contest to really still build muscle and lose weight and be able to eat those, uh, you know, very dry meals, so to say, without the fats, without the carbohydrates, just pure white fish with some vegetables when you have a low carb day, for example. So that is really the only thing I implemented back into my diet. And to this day, I still haven't uh, eaten any meat at all. That's fascinating. Could you give us a run through of what your typical day would look like out of interest? Because like, I'd be curious to see how you structure a day with purely fish meals, because obviously you're eating six times a day, for example. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you have quite a lot of doubling up of white fish, I would guess. Yeah, that's true. So the first meal is actually the only meal that doesn't have any fish in it. It's actually an oatmeal with uh, some whey isolate protein. So that is the only real protein source that isn't fish. Um, that's just a, the big breakfast for me. Have that is, rest days as well? Or would you ever have eggs or anything like that? Um, I do have eggs from time to time, not every day, uh, usually at the end of the day, actually. But when I do have a contest diet, uh, when I'm a low-carb day, I do replace the oats in the morning with an omelet with only vegetables. But uh, usually nine out of ten times it's going to be oatmeal uh, in the off-season when, you know, when the carbs are higher. And then the rest of the meals, like four out of the six meals will be a uh, white fish. And I, I purchased my fish fresh, which makes a big difference in taste, in preparation, in knowing how much the fish weighs. Because if you bite frozen, usually there's water added. So if you buy it fresh, it is a little bit more expensive. But if you know the right sources, you can buy a very healthy, good tasting fish. And uh, that's not that much more expensive than the frozen fish, uh, pound for pound. What's so, your favorite white fish? What would you tend to go um, towards? Well, I like codfish a lot, but nowadays I eat a lot of Victoria perch. I don't know if uh, people know about that, but that happens to be one of the fishes that is the cheapest at uh, my, uh, well, it's not a grocery store. It's like a big Whole Foods 
um, section yeah. that has fresh fish, but it's cheaper than actually getting fresh fish for the market, for example. So those are that's that's actually a store for like um, people with restaurants and uh, people with big businesses who usually have to go buy big quantities. So the price is actually lower than regular supermarkets. But uh, the Victoria Perch is actually a very you know high protein uh, fish that um, I eat three hundred grams of every single meal for the four meals, which gives me about 60 grams of protein a meal. And, uh, but that's, that's a fish never really gets boring, but codfish is also one, uh, pollock fish is one. And also, uh, just tuna fish is also a fish that I like. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of more of those white fishes that I like to vary with, but I never really get bored of the fish taste because I use spices, I use soy sauce, use different, um, techniques of marination. So it really changes. Every single meal is very different from the last, even though the ingredients might look the same, the way I prepare the meals, that makes a difference in taste. What's your, uh, what's your favorite meal then? If you could eat anything you wanted, sod the diet, what would you have? Um, you mean like a cheat meal or yeah, still a cheat meal? Don't say white fish. <laughs> no, no, no. It's not going to be white fish. <laughs> um, well, when I was in America, after being a, after doing a contest, I actually went to the Cheesecake Factory. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> and ever since then, I, I never appreciated cheesecake as much as I did then, because then I realized, wow, cheesecake can be a, a very different meal than I thought. Like, you don't want to know how much calories it is, but it is really delicious. It's, they're like 17, 1800 calories a slice, I think. Yeah. I think yeah. The, the, the Oreo one, I think, is the one I had. I don't know. What, 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 yeah, you have like a peanut butter version. You have like 30 or 40 different too many ones. To it took about half an hour to work it out. Yeah, yeah that's true. But, it, you know, it's if you haven't been there yet, you really should give it a try on a cheat day. Yeah, it's, it's not a, not an ideal dieting, bodybuilding food. No, no, no. <laughs> that's a once every six months trip, I think. Yeah, for sure. But, um, so in terms of digestion, obviously you find the fish sits really well with you. Is there any yeah, other, yeah. Is there any other supplements you take alongside that to aid with the uptake of nutrients or? Um, well, I take, well, a lot of people, they think a multivitamin is unnecessary in the diet, but they don't realize that in a multivitamin, there are vitamins and minerals, which are part of enzymes that you need for metabolism. So, that's why I always say when you're a bodybuilder and you're eating a lot of food, you're basically using up a lot of those enzymes, those vitamins and minerals automatically because you need to process all that food. So what I like to do is take three multivitamins of regular dosage, so not an extreme dose, just three multivitamins um, in the morning, the afternoon, and before bed. So it's divided throughout the day. So I have a steady influx of those vitamins and minerals to help digestion a lot of people don't make that connection but because your enzymes and every cell in your body needs one some parts of of the multivitamin not knowing if you have enough in your system it's always going to be beneficial to take them for digestion and uh, on top of that sometimes uh, if i have a high carb day and still wanted to get all the meals in without feeling too full. I like to use some digestive enzymes, which have the enzymes from papaya, from pineapple, like bromelain in there. That yeah. does help me uh, digest a little bit faster. But in general, I noticed that because I eat only white fish, uh, mostly as a, as a protein source, that the digestion isn't really a problem anymore, as it used to be when I was still eating meat, because the comparison 
between meat and fish is like night and day for me at least like in terms of uh, digestion I would, I would agree with you with that to be fair 100 percent. do you add yeah. do you add use any fat sources you add to your diet yeah i do i do think fat is very important like for example, if I eat 400 grams of carbs, I do eat at least 120 grams of fat a day. So it's uh, definitely not a low-fat diet that I follow. Uh, a lot of the fat is in the last meal of the day, which is a salmon meal. So another fish meal, but it's a Nordic salmon meal, which actually has a lot of fat in it because it's also a 300-gram fish. And it's like, like it could be more than 30 grams of fat only in that fish itself. But it's healthy fats. I only add a healthy fats like avocado, uh, almonds. And even uh, during the oatmeal, I add some raw, some uh, pure chocolate, some dark chocolate, yeah. which uh, has a lot of nutrients in it as well. So that's also a part of the fat source that I use and the olive oils, the coconut oils uh, throughout the day as well. 100%. And with your um, current phase at the moment, are you looking to try and add more muscle mass on for competing again next year or what's your plans for the moment? Yeah, I'm definitely, uh, my plan is to add more muscle mass, but not really go overboard because there's no use for me to really go to such an off season to really lose my definition because in the end I have to lose that fat again and I could use that time of fat burning to build more muscle in a more efficient way so I always like to stick to a lean bulk but what I'm really focusing on is the legs to build muscle there and some of the weak points in my upper body so just as a true in my opinion classic bodybuilder would do instead of just trying to grow as fast as possible I'm trying to really refine my physique more because I am, after all, a classic physique competitor with a weight limit. So I know that I can weigh a lot more than the limit is, but that's not my goal. I, I like to still have a regular diet that doesn't go overboard. So I like to feel good, athletic, and still be strong in the gym without feeling fatigued every time you walk the stairs. And do you have any tips or any like strategies you're implementing to try and stay lean? Are you having any, are you doing any cardio during your off season? Are you cycling carbohydrates or calories at all? Or Yeah, I'm actually doing uh, both of those things. So I am doing, I always am doing cardio at least three to four times a week, uh, 30 minutes uh, fasted cardio. I do believe, even though science doesn't always agree that fasted cardio is better compared to cardio on any other moment of the day because not only at that moment it doesn't really burn more calories but it sets you up for a better result for the rest of the day your metabolism reacts better your digestion improves uh, you just feel like eating more like eating like especially when you're lean bulking and sometimes the calories are quite high um, because you do cardio in the morning, you have more appetite for every single meal. And that's what I notice. If I wake up and then eat my breakfast, which is the biggest meal of the day right away, I don't feel as good as first doing my cardio, drinking just pure water, just feeling like I'm detoxing a little bit first, uh, replenishing from the night, um, you know, hydrating a little bit and then eating. It just really enhances, uh, you know, fat oxidation and the rest of my day in terms of metabolism. And then I'm also carb cycling. So some low days, so two high days and then one low day. And uh, on the rest days, also usually a low day. And when I do the cardio, I like to do it on a low day as well. So it kind of is a more extreme fat burning day. And then the high days are keeping my metabolism up and uh, building muscle there. What would you do for your cardio? 
the actual cardio that I do is either I just walk outside, uh, sometimes just with my girlfriend, just uh, with the dog, just, you know, two uh, flies at one stone, um, just half an hour or 40 minutes, or just a resistant bike, which I actually have at home in the living room. Or when we're going to the gym in the morning, I just take my breakfast with me and then do the uh, air bike there, actually, which is one of my favorite, uh, you know, cycling machines, uh, cardio machines there is. Um, you know, it kind of has an, has its own fan that really uh, it's pointing at you the moment that you uh, use the machine. So it's a very nice way to cool down at the same time. But it's usually the resistant bike or just uh, walking outside. And do you ever get to the point where, say, we are looking to grow, that you, you feel like you're getting a bit soft, you rein in a little bit, and maybe we'll do like a little tidy up phase or anything like that to try and prolong the, the growth phase? Yeah, that's true. When, uh, when I do, um, you know, find myself getting a little too soft, I don't try to act right away in terms of calories or anything. But first, I try to determine, is this only water weight that I'm seeing? Is this just temporary water under the skin because of different weather conditions? Did I drink enough? Did I have a bad sleep? Was my soul intake the same? But if I know that everything was the same and consistent, that I'm slowly getting softer, then I do implement a few more lower days to make sure that, I, that my shape uh, stays intact, keeping the protein nice and high. And once my shape is, uh, you know, back to where I want it to be, then I start uh, the higher carb base again, making sure that overall my body weight does go up a little bit every time. Cool. And just keeps everything in range within reason. Then do you, yeah. would, you would you just go more on how you feel and how you look? Are you coaching yourself? Well, Wesley, uh, I do actually have a coach, but he's my contest coach in the off season. I do my own diet uh, I do my own trip. Oh, I always do my own training. So I have a really a nutrition coach and a coach that tells me exactly what to do uh, when the contest gets closer, like the peak week and water manipulation and even posing help a little bit. So especially the back poses for me are sometimes to get the most out of a pose. He is very experienced in how to uh, maximize your posing potential in the mandatory poses. And since he's also a fan of classic bodybuilding, we really have a nice, uh, you know, collaboration together. I don't really see, you know, we don't see each other as student and, and, uh, and a tutor, but more as the, on the same level, just like a a collaboration. Like, like a team effort. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. And how, how do you run your training, training at the moment? What's a traditional training week look like for you? Um, I, yeah, I don't really have set workout days anymore. I used to always train legs on Monday, for example, and chest on Tuesday. But right now, um, I have I first do chest, chest alone, so no chest and triceps anymore. Uh, then I do my legs, which is a very important part. And when I do legs, it's I always start out with the hamstrings because that's my biggest weak point. So first chest, then the legs with hamstring, a dominant exercises in there. Then I do the pure tricep exercises. So a pure tricep day is that's the biggest weak point of my upper body. And then a pure back day, which is a more higher volume and very heavy back day. And then I start the cycle all over again. And whenever I feel I need a rest day, I take it. So it's, I don't have set rest days, but I go well, instinctive. Uh, yeah, instinctive. Exactly. How many days would you say on average you go without having a rest? Five, six? Yes. Yeah. Usually I do have a rest, do have one rest day a week, but the day on which I have a rest day really depends on how I feel and what I did uh, that day, that week. And do you normally train solo, Wesley, or do you have a training partner, training with a girlfriend? 
Oh, um, I usually train solo nine out of the 10 times. I usually always train with my dad or my brother, but since I moved to Eindhoven, uh, because the gym is here and I move in with my girlfriend, um, my parents live around 45 minutes drive away. So it's kind of difficult to always train together, but we do train together at least, well, we try to at least one time a week, uh, usually either back or, or legs where we really need a spotter for. And, uh, but I used to trade with my girlfriend as well, but she is uh, kind of recovering from an injury. So that's not possible either, but I do miss, to be honest, a good workout partner, especially when you're close to a contest or when you're prepping for a contest, it's really nice to have someone to motivate you, to push you, even though that's no problem for me myself, but still it's, it's just a different reps, though, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Just uh, also someone who takes the initiative to say, maybe we should do this exercise because now it's always me um, deciding what exercises to do and how intense to go, how many reps. So having someone else does really have much benefits. No, 100%. 100%. Well, if you ever need a training partner, I'll fly over from the UK and we'll we'll (laughs) go. Yeah. Yeah, so always open for anything like that. Europe's only a small place, fortunately. Yeah, Um, that's true. So also don't want to keep you too long. We're running up to half an hour now, Wesley. So if there's one tip in terms of like your cores are very good, your overall structure. How would you say, is there anything you focus on in terms of your core work or like your abs? Do you practice vacuums a lot? Just keep yeah, I, I do practice a lot of vacuums. I don't train abs that often because I feel like I can control them pretty well. Yeah. Um, my waist from the front isn't the the uh, narrowest, so it's it's quite wide, like Arnold's was. But that's why I'm trying to create as wide lats as possible, and shoulders as possible, and a nice squat sweep as well to minimize the uh, waist width. But from the side, it is very narrow. So I like to hit a lot of three quarter poses, just like Arnold used to do. I'm not trying to be like him, but I do love the way that he presented himself, the way he hit his weaknesses and showed his strengths and his posing style. Um, And it just really suits me just because I'm also one of the only ones with uh, his height. So we're both the same height, the the same upper body dominant bodybuilders. So it's not that I try to uh, mimic him or anything, but it's very structurally you're built like him though, aren't you? You, You've got similar. Yeah. It's difficult to find another example that I can compare myself to in terms of posing because a lot of the smaller classic physique guys, smaller in terms of height, they do the poses that I, that simply won't look good on my physique. So it's hard to look at them and try to emulate their posing because it simply won't look the same. But uh, in terms of core work, I do a lot of vacuums uh, in the morning when the stomach is empty to put it in as far as possible and usually uh, post-workout as well, so two times a day. So what would you do? So like eight rounds of 20 seconds or something like that, for example? Uh, well, in the morning, it's only three rounds of 20 seconds. Um, to me, that's already, you know, the moment I start to feel the effect in the transverse abdominis, which is the muscle that causes the vacuum, the moment I feel it really contracting deeply, that's then I know I did enough. But the morning is just a warm-up because the post-workout is actually two different vacuum exercises. The first one is sitting on a bench, just straight sitting, uh, with my hands on my knees and then sucking in my stomach as much as possible for four rounds of 20 seconds and then um, actually sitting on the bench with my knees on my hands and then sucking it against gravity upwards for rounds of 20 seconds. And uh, that's much more difficult because I just finished the workout and 
your stuff to, empty as well. Yeah, your 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 oxygen levels are you cannot breathe during a vacuum. That's the most difficult part. So you really your body is really wanting to get that oxygen into the muscles because they're depleted basically. They want to recover, but you are holding your breath. So it's really going against nature, but that's exactly what happens on stage. So that's what you gotta practice to mimic the situation on stage to be as good as possible at it. What I'm saying, well it says practice makes perfect. So the more you yeah, practice, yeah. it gets. So hundred percent. Now to um, finish up, if there was one tip for anyone to try and work towards building a, a obviously not a physique, so maybe your level is probably unattainable for a lot of people, but to try and build their <laughs> ultimate sort of their version of their own classic physique, would you have anything to leave with them as one or two leaving points? Well, first of all, for classic physique, I think that full range of motion and slow progressive overload is very important. I see that a lot of people train um, one workout, they do like four sets of 10 reps with the same weight, but I like to progressive overload in the workout itself, so I warm up first, really getting full range of motion because getting an injury is basically the end of your classic physique career because you need to be symmetrical, injury-free, uh, full muscle bellies. And I do believe if you train with full range of motion from the very beginning and getting stronger that way, you will simply build a different uh, type of muscle, different look to the muscle. If you do that year in, year out, just like I did with a full range of motion, full tension at the start and finish. So a lot of time on the tension, just pretty much the old school principles of building muscle. So I know that a lot of top Olympians like who weigh close to 300 pounds or, or five, six and weigh 250 pounds. They do train with a shorter range of motion, but they do have a very different physique compared to the old school bodybuilders. They have a more compact physique. So I really do believe that the way that you train, the way you perform the reps. So the way of training influences the way that you look. Even though you may say, okay, you have these kind of muscles genetically, still you have a lot of influence on how they're going to end up looking at the end of the day. So always be objective of how you look. Make sure to train your legs from day one, which is a mistake that I made, which hmm. I'm still trying to uh, correct. You only train your upper body for a while then. Yes, at the beginning, when I was 14 years old, the legs really weren't a part of my uh, my thought process because I wasn't really thinking about being a bodybuilder. I just enjoyed the, the workouts, getting stronger at some exercises without even considering the legs because, of course, like a lot of people, I just thought, oh, my legs are, are not that bad until you worked out for two years already without really having trained legs that hard. And you got to catch up big time. Yeah, yeah, they have to catch up. So uh, especially when you're tall, that takes a lot of time. So classic bodybuilding is being in proportion. Everything has to be symmetrical. So upper body, lower body, everything has to be perfect. And in my opinion, uh, you know, not doing too much volume at the beginning, really focusing on strength, full range of motion, building that base, that foundation is the most important thing you can do. You're 100%, 100%. Well, thank you so much for tonight, Wesley. It's been um, very, very informative for everyone, I'm sure, and your insight into how you've built the amazing physique you already have and where you're planning to go in the future. So what, one finishing thought, what's your long-term vision and goal? Where, what's the next step for you? I've got a few ideas of probably where you want to go. but Well, eventually I do want to be Mr. Olympia in classic physique. Yeah. I do believe that I have it in me. I have to believe it because... 
I really, that is my goal for competition wise. But at the same time, I want to be also an ambassador for bodybuilding in general. I want the general public to watch bodybuilding and see it as something that motivates them to become better and healthier and more active in the gym. Because when they look at bodybuilding right now at the regular Mr. Olympia lineup, I don't think they will be immediately motivated to train because of those physiques. And I, I want to, I want the ambassador of bodybuilding to be someone who people can look up to, to make uh, their selves a better version instead of just watching it and, and not even wondering, you know, basically wondering how that's possible and not even thinking about training. I want training and, you know, just a good lifestyle nutrition. I want that to be the, the forefront of what people think when they look at a, a bodybuilding physique. So that is really my goal. Awesome. Awesome stuff. Well, absolute pleasure. Uh, Wesley, having one. So for anyone who doesn't follow Wesley already, where can people find out some information about yourself? I know you've got a, a very, very good YouTube channel as well. Yeah, my YouTube channel is called Vintage Genetics, and uh, I do a lot of old-school classic bodybuilding videos where I explain every single workout and exercise that I do and the reasoning behind it, also a lot of nutrition stuff on there. And you can follow me on Instagram at Wesley Vissers. Awesome stuff. Well, absolute pleasure there, Wesley. We'll wrap that up there, and thank you ever so much for having you on the podcast. All right, no problem. It was a pleasure for me too.